Hello and welcome to Walk in the Shadowlands podcast. Let me be your guide as we take a walk into the shadowy realms of the unexplained, the paranormal, of things that go bump in the night and haunt your dreams. Your host? I'm Marianne, and I would like to welcome you to our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, today, whatever time it is, wherever you are living in this beautiful world of ours. So sit back, relax, and let me be your guide as we walk into the Shadowlands together and discover what awaits us there. Beyond what is clearly seen or heard, there have lurked in the shadowlands misty shapes seen out of the corners of one's eyes, footsteps echoing in empty rooms or in corridors at night, words spoken and heard when no one else was present, unexplained touches, smells and sounds, items that go missing, some never to return, or some that are found days later in very unexplained places. These are the experiences of spirit, ghosts. Phantoms, spectres, entities, wraiths. So many names given to the souls of physical people who once lived like you and I, but who have passed on from the realm of the physical to the realm of the Shadowlands. Tonight's episode is solely about experiences that people have had with the spirit realm. Some are loving, some are scary. So sit back and enjoy them as you listen. Let's begin. Here's one of my personal paranormal experiences that I encountered during my nursing years. I was 24 or 25 at the time and I worked for a private Catholic hospital in Auckland, New Zealand. This particular hospital was over 100 years old. My shift of preference was the night shift from 11pm to 7am as I didn't have to deal with all the political crap that goes on in hospitals and I could just do my work unhindered. This hospital was run by nuns of the Mercy Order that originated in Ireland. These nuns kept a close eye on how the wards were run and operated, and it was not uncommon to see them in their habits checking on how things were going any time of the day or night. They were extremely strict, but did care about their patients. Originally, the hospital had been a free hospital, but at some stage it became private and catered to those who could afford to use their services, which actually in New Zealand isn't too much of an issue because we have a free public health system here where I did my training and worked for most of my nursing career. Anyway, on that ward that I was working on at that time, I was sole charge at night with a supervisor who would pop in when I needed her to check on medications for patients or to help if I needed it. So I really saw anyone during the night apart, as I mentioned before, the supervisor or the odd nun who would pop in really to make sure everything was okay. 
This one night, about 3am, I was in the sluice room emptying a bedpan one of the patients had just finished with. Now, the sluice sink is only a few feet from the door, and as I stand there facing the sink, the door is to my left-hand side. Obviously, due to the noise that is made in sluice rooms, I always make sure that the door to the sluice room was firmly shut before I started to do any work in there, so as to cause the least disturbance to my patients trying to sleep. So I was standing at the sink rinsing the metal bedpan before putting it into the steriliser when out of the corner of my eye I suddenly saw a tall nun standing in front of the sluice room door. She was tall, thin, wearing an old-fashioned habit, you know, all black, to the floor from her head to toe in black except for the white bit around her face I, I don't know what the name of that is called but the white bit that goes around the face and under the chin she was um, standing there wearing this old-fashioned habit all black apart from what I said the white bit around her face she had her hands clasped in front of her and I got the sense of slight disapproval from her I thought oh my goodness what have I done wrong and she looked to be in her 40s perhaps, all this from out of the corner of my eye, and in a few seconds my thought was, perhaps I was being a bit noisier than I thought I was, and I thought I was in trouble and she was about to let me have it. I admit I did jump because I didn't hear her enter, but I put it down to concentrating on what I was doing after all, I didn't want to spill any of the contents of the bedpan on me. So a couple of seconds after I became aware of her, when I had finished what I was doing, I turned to face her. To my utter shock, there was no one standing there. The door was still firmly closed and no way could she have left the room without the door being opened. I admit, I stood there for a couple of minutes so that my heart rate could slow down and my breathing could return to normal and I didn't feel the need to pee any longer. <laughs> I put it down to one of the old nuns who'd passed, just checking up on the staff to make sure they were doing their job properly. I couldn't actually ask any of the staff if they had seen anyone before in that area of the hospital, as it really wasn't the sort of place where talking about ghosts was really accepted. And I was only young and didn't have the self-confidence I have these days. So that was one of my nursing ghost stories. These are Angie's nursing experiences. I worked at a hospital where others commented that there was a ghost on the ward, in particular a doctor that worked there when that area used to be operating theatres. Why there would be just one, or how the story started as to who, I don't know. Some nurses would refuse to work there as they had been touched on the shoulder or felt they were being stared at while getting changed after using the gym up there. I was convinced that it was just that it was darker and colder past the double doors on the way to the drug room due to the heating being turned off, until the day I, too, felt a hand on the shoulder and had the feeling of being watched. There were also occasional shadows and noises I couldn't explain. I worked in an area where nurses sometimes jokingly said, it must be the ghost, when things went missing. One night I lost a drug chart, a very big deal. 
I hunted for it, looked through all the folders and all the drug charts of the other patients in that area. Looking under the bench, in the cupboards, under the keyboard, everywhere. The nurse I was working with also did a thorough look to no avail. Eventually, after a significant time, I called the doctor to chart a new one, which, as you know, is never ideal, as there will be two when the original turns up. I paged the doctor, looked down, and there was the chart. It was not possible for someone to have just popped it in that spot without either of us seeing them. The care station had only one doorway in, and myself and my colleague never left the area. My colleague and I just looked at each other, pretty sure we had a ghosty plane of practical joke in us that night. Then, of course, there are the occasional shadows out of the corner of your eye. I have never forgotten a lady who came back from surgery and was crying inconsolably. I initially thought she was in pain, but then she smiled and said, No, well, it's sore, but that's not it. Once I managed to calm her down, she told me she had seen her son, a little boy that was ripped out of her arms and taken by the sea, and that she had spoken with him and he and he had said he was okay and that he loved her and it wasn't her fault. I saw such a peace come over her. As a student, I did my electives in the ED department, the emergency department. I remember a little seven-month-old baby that we unsuccessfully tried very hard to resuscitate. Once the baby was confirmed deceased and taken to be with her parents in another room, another patient was put in that bed space within half an hour, an elderly lady with heart arrhythmia. We gave her treatment to correct it, amiodarone. And as I was alone with her tidying up and waiting for the ward transfer, she said, I can hear a baby crying. While she looked around her bed space, which was a separate area in the department, specifically for seriously ill patients. I double-checked. There were definitely no babies in the entire ED department at the time. Of course, paranormal experiences aren't always adults. Sometimes they can be children or even babies or toddlers, such as in this story by another person who wishes to remain anonymous. Where to start? This apartment, about a year ago, my two-year-old was asleep in his room. He has a gate in his doorway to prevent midnight wandering. We have another gate separating the kitchen and living room. I'm not sure what time it was. My husband was working overnight and I was in bed. I had just turned the lights off. I heard someone lean on the gate separating the kitchen and living room. It's a distinctive sound you learn to be aware of when you have a toddler. I just kept listening because I knew my son was in his room and still in a crib. Then I heard Mama from the kitchen, definitely a little boy's voice, definitely not my son's voice. It took a minute to register what I heard, then to sink in that it wasn't my son. I was scared. I got up as much as I didn't want to and went into the kitchen. My son's room is off the kitchen. I wanted to make sure that there was no way it was him. He was sound asleep in his crib. His humidifier was going and that is pretty loud and his door was closed. At that point, I just went to bed. I left the kitchen light on though and texted my husband and then went to sleep. 
that's when I started keeping track of the things that go on here. You know, little things that happen all the time, but you just chalk it up to being tired and forgetful, like missing keys or doors opening and closing. We have a lock in the living room. It's one of those hook and eye things, or whatever you call them. There have been times when I'm in bed and I hear that hook open. Fast forward about a month or so. It was morning. I was in the shower. My son was asleep with my husband in another room, another gate. I heard the bathroom door creak open and was expecting my husband to start peeing. All of a sudden, I hear a child's giggle again, not my son. About five years prior to this, before husband and son came along, I was dating someone who had the spirit of a little boy in his home. He used to walk up and down the hallway. I never saw him, but all his friends and family did. He never made noises until one night we were watching TV and we heard a giggle. He never made a sound until I came into the picture, but he never showed himself to me, just to everyone else. It was the same giggle I heard in my bathroom five years later. Whenever I visited my boyfriend, I felt like that little boy was there. One night, my thumb got ice cold, ice cold. I looked down and I literally felt something slip off my thumb and it warmed back up. I believe he was holding my finger. I talked to my ex after I heard the giggle in my bathroom and he told me once we broke up that he never saw the little boy again. I think he may have followed me. I think he is still here. He's not dangerous. He is curious. He's attached to me, I think, because I'm a mum now and back then I was a mum figure to him. He shows up every now and then. I'm not sure if my son has ever seen him. I hear him gabbing in his room every now and then. One day I'll ask him. My husband also heard the whisper when my son and I were in Florida this past June. He said it sounded like it said, Where's Mama? Then we have stories that are both sad and heartwarming, just like this story from Jasmine. So I'm Jasmine and my experiences with uh, paranormal began when I was quite young. So it happened when my sister passed away. My younger sister passed away in um, 2001. She had a seizure in the bathtub Uh, Between the time it took from my dad to answer the door and for me to get there, uh, she had already passed. And so I was sort of the first person that was on the scene and saw her. Um, I was five years old when that happened. Um, And after that, uh, I experienced a lot of um, unusual things that were happening uh, that related back to her behaviour when she was alive. So uh, we had a sliding door in our bathroom, for instance, and we had to shove a wooden uh, wedge in it so she couldn't get into the bathroom. After she passed away, we took it out for convenience and I would hear her running um, up and down the hallway, um, opening and closing the door. Uh, That happened (laughs) basically every day. Um, I experienced her as a... She had actually never left, so I heard her her laugh or 
could feel her there, but I never seen her um, physically. Um, sorry, it's a bit hard to, yeah. But it's um, getting easier to talk about, which is good. And I think this feels really important to do. So, um, yeah, these experiences, they uh, continue basically, yeah, every, every day. Um, and because I was quite young, I didn't really understand what I was experiencing. And because I never seen a physical form, I just always heard or felt things, um, I I couldn't identify that with being her. So I was quite terrified of what that could have been um, or even the idea of a ghost. You know, as a child, I, I always thought that was a scary thing or, or a bad thing. Um, and my family, my parents were still very young, so uh, probably a bit uncomfortable about talking about it and, and probably quite in shock about some of the things that were happening as well. Um, didn't really... Uh, speak openly about it with me and, and, and it wasn't until a, a close family friend who I actually call an uncle um, spoke to me and had heard about from my parents what I was experiencing and he spoke to me and, and told me that I didn't have to be scared because it was my sister and knowing that sort of flicked a switch in my mind where it went from being really fearful and actually quite scared of what was happening to actually feeling quite relieved and actually almost happy because she, in a way she hadn't gone. And, um, you know, that was a nice feeling for me that uh, I could still experience her there. And even though I didn't completely understand what was happening, um, I was still quite happy that um, it was happening to me because not all of the members of my family experienced it the same way. Um, although there was one night in particular where we were all, all of us were in the lounge and her room was closed off for about a uh, few months at least after she'd passed away, completely locked up uh, the way it was the day she passed away. Um, and we heard this banging noise and we all sort of looked at each other like, oh, like, did you hear that? Uh, to sort of confirm what we were hearing and it, it carried on and, and the noise was like a ding, ding, it was like something banging against um, a metal bar and we actually used to share that bedroom together and it was a, a metal bunk bed that sort of had a railing on the side and she didn't cry much as a baby but uh, she would bang her bottle on the side of it when she was ready to get let out of bed or if she wanted the attention, she'd, she'd bang that until somebody would come into the room and so she it continued, it continued for like just keep going, that, that noise and my mum was actually starting to, to cry because she didn't really know how to cope with what was happening. And um, the close family friend, my uncle, he was actually there and he got he just got up um, and he walked into the room and he opened the door and he said, okay, come on, you can, you can get out now and then closed the door behind him. And after that, there, there was no... Um, no more banging noises so for a family for us as a family that was quite a big experience that we've never actually talked about ever since um actually and I, I continued to have those experiences right up until we um left that house actually and um after that I I, I never experienced it to that intensity that I felt um in, in that house which was actually the house that she passed away in as well um, of feeling like she was just there, you know, uh, it's 
so hard to explain what the feeling was like. Um, but I guess in terms of like feeling their wairua, like feeling the spirit that, you know, you, you know when somebody's in a room with you or something like that, that, that was that, that same feeling. And um, I guess in life I didn't have that same connection, but I felt connected to her through my sense of smell. So uh, for me, smell has always been one of the biggest things I've always picked up on. As soon as I go into a room, that's the first thing that I notice. I um, mean, it's attached to everything that I remember. And for her, it was this very distinct smell of um, Play-Doh, like, you know, homemade Play-Doh, salty sort of smell to it. And um, she loved playing with the stuff. She'd come home from preschool reeking of it, her, her clothes, her bag, her, everything that she had. Um, she always had this, this really salty sort of smell. And um, <clears throat> I actually do remember it when she first passed away as a child, when we first went back to sort of going back to normal, going to back to preschool and back to school. Um, my brother and my sister were very close and they went to the same preschool. And when we used to come home, would walk into the house and then it was still like she was still there, like she'd still come because we'd still smell that smell of, of the Play-Doh. And um, later on in life, as I got older, I think as we do, we sort of start to push away a lot of those sort of things that we're experiencing. And I think as I got older, I um, become less in touch with what I was experiencing or with that connection with her. Um, I didn't pick up on things as easily, but those, that smell came back to me several times. Like I'm 23 now, turning 24 soon. And I've since had several uh, times in my life where that smell has come back usually before quite an important, um, oh, like when something, a, a difficult situation is about to come up, usually in the family, um, like a, like times when I've had to sort of step up or when I, you know, being a teenager, you sort of get stuck in your own world and, and, and that's all that matters. Um, there's been a couple of times where um, I didn't, I needed to step up for my family and help them and, she sort of came along and, and that smell, I smelt it again and straight away just having her picture in my mind, knowing that that was her trying to tell me something. And then sure enough, not even that long later, something quite big happens. And then I realise, all right, that's that's her um, coming back to let me know something. And ever since I have had similar sort of things, but it's never been as strong as that connection is when I was a child.
and that haunting little tune was called Come Play With Me by Kevin MacLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 2014. For more information, visit our website www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. Sadly, not all paranormal experiences are happy or comfortable. Some of them are pretty scary, such as Vicky's experience in Australia. I've got a um, tale to tell you from when I was quite a young girl, I was 18. One of my friend, one of my school friends' mum, she lived in this house and she rented or board and lodgings, I suppose you would call it. Anyway, we had one young fellow there named Don who he left, he moved out and um, there were six of us living in the house and he started coming back and we, were, we would all hang out in the kitchen, you know, and talk and stuff. Anyway, he, um, he started coming around a lot and then he was really hesitant to go back to his home and we were like, you know, what's going on? Anyway, he um, and his physical appearance started to change and I knew him very well. I, I, I grew up in a foster home with him anyway, so I really noticed the big, you know, difference in him. Anyway, this particular night he came over and it was probably about 11.30 and we, we were saying, you know, like, oh, you know I'm, I'm going to bed, I'm tired, I, Nick off, go home, and he was like, oh, I don't really want to go home, and I said, why, what's what's wrong? And he said, oh, oh there's nothing, he goes, oh, you, you'll think I'm mad, and we were like, oh, no, no, what's, you know, what's happening? <laughs> anyway, he told us this, like a tale, I suppose. He said that there were things going on in his room, and at first, like from the first night that he moved in there, Things were, um, he could hear noises and um, he would go out um, of the room and he would come back and things had been moved. Anyway, we sort of said, oh, you know, like, what's the, you know, what's the big deal on that? And he said, oh, no, he said it's um, getting worse now, like to the point where he didn't want to be there. He was frightened and. We were like, oh, cool, you know, like, <laughs> let's be ghost hunters and we'll go around to his house. Anyway, in Geelong, um, like where, I, where we were from, the house, it was sort of like an old, I don't know, like a worker's cottage or something, very old, like over 100 years old. And it was across the road from the wool shed. So they used to, I don't know, it's like big sheep industry and yeah so they store all the bales and stuff but this old and it was sort of like a terrace house I don't know if you know what they are yeah but you walk in the front door bedrooms either side go down the big long passage and more rooms and then out the back to the left was the kitchen anyway Don's room was at the front of the house and we went there and he told us that he could hear a baby cry like a like a little tiny new baby and it was so strong this like so loud he thought there was a baby in the room so he said he got to the point where he actually was opening his cupboard and 
looking because it was so real. Like he said, it freaked him out and he he couldn't find anything, of course, so he thought, oh, maybe it's somebody next door. Anyway, what really, really spun him out was, like, I think the last straw for him. He was in his room and he's, he had very voluptuous hair. Uh, this is the early 80s, <laughs> 80s. And he had this his brush and his brush, you know, constantly brushing his hair. Anyway, this um, he said he put the brush on the his bedside table and it went flying off and then his wardrobe door come flying open and his shirts come flying out and he just went, stuff that, I'm out. <laughs> anyway, he ended up, um, like, you know, telling us all this this night and we were like, holy hell, we're going, we're going. And, um, yeah, I wish we didn't because we went there and, we were sitting in the lounge, in oh, sorry, not the lounge, the kitchen area, and it was like um, as soon as you walk in the door, immediately to your right was a dining room table, like an old table, and then opposite that was big, like, you know, the old wood stoves, big clunky old stove, and then this, um, like, to the right was the back door, but it was one of those big, I always say it's like a farmer's door or a, Oh, I don't even know what the word for it is, but it's really big, solid, heavy planks with sort of like a Z shape, you know, holding it together and a big brass lock and door handle. Anyway, that door was open. We were all sitting around. There was Don, Eddie, um, Carol, Lyle and myself and one of um, Lyle's friends and we literally were sitting there and we were all talking about this um, stuff that was going on in in Don's room. Anyway, it was literally we were sitting there and it was like um, somebody had opened a freezer door. It went so cold and our breath, like we were freezing and we were like, oh, what's going on? And then literally it felt like something was going like this, like rubbing their hand across our cheek and it went around the back of our head and then it went to the next one and the next one and you could literally see as this whatever it was moved around us you could see the the look on people's face like everyone sort of went you know oh my god when it got to carol she was sitting on um lyle's lap at the table and she said um something's touching me and Lyle's like going, what are you doing, Carol? And she said, I don't know. And it, it was, she said it was like somebody standing behind her and pushing down on her shoulders, like pushing her into, into Lyle. And he was like going, get off me, like what are you doing? And it wasn't her. It was whatever this thing was. Anyway, they, it turned around and it grabbed her throat and she was you know, visibly going, like, it was grabbed her and, like, we were like, oh, oh my God. Anyway, next thing, it um, the back door slammed, that big bang, and the key comes flying out and that was it. We were just like, ah, <laughs> and we were running out of the house. We were hightailing it down the passage and we heard this almighty bashing up in the um, in the ceiling and it was like a um, like an attic, you know, with you, you pull the 
um, stairs or ladder down. Yeah. Anyway, there was this huge ruckus, like massive banging up there, and we were like, oh, my God. And Eddie, who lived in the house with Don, he said, I'm going to go and have a look. And we go, no, <laughs> don't, don't do that. Like, let's just go. Anyway, he went up there and he was up there for about, I don't even know, 30 seconds and there was this almighty blood-curdling scream from him and he come flying out of the, um, the, the attic or whatever you call it and he was, what is the word, like, like he had a mental breakdown, like he was, he was gone. He, he ended up in a, um, like in a psych ward. He, yeah, whatever it was, was, yeah, not good. And then they turned, um, Carol went and looked at the archives to see if anything had happened in that house. And apparently there's a guy, I didn't see it myself, but apparently there was a guy in the 30s or 40s, I think it was like my, maybe know, around depression time, and he killed his wife and newborn baby. He, he threw the baby on the ground, like um, dashed its head onto the stone, like onto the little tiny baby. And I think that's what, I don't know whether it was the house made him do it, like whatever, or that was him in the house doing that to, to us. Like, yeah, I don't know, it, whatever, it was physical and it moved things around, like it was very violent. It was nasty. It would get goosebumps thinking about it. But it, it was um, poor old Eddie there. He, I don't know what he saw up there, but it, it didn't do him any good. And we, yeah, we never ever went back. Don didn't even go back to get his clothes or anything. He left. He just didn't. You know, he come back to the house with us. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. yeah, that was probably, that's the most horrific thing. <laughs> and you don't want to ever have an experience, you know, like I, I read about all these people have these nice things that, yeah, that wasn't a very good one. Um, like I say, it wasn't a nice experience. It wasn't like for, for a first time. And you sit there and you think, oh, you know, like, I mean, I've had other experiences, nothing like that though. They've been nice, I suppose, if you, you know, that way But this one was nasty and it's more thing like I think now like I was thinking the other night I was like holy hell like we were really silly because it could have attached itself to us or like it hurt Eddie I don't know what it did to like mentally or and it was almost like and this is weird it was almost like it was being friendly and nice and then, yeah, and then it sort of escalated like that, like snappy fingers there. Oh, this is not nice. And sometimes spirit pretend to be somebody else for their own nefarious purposes, such as in Daniel's family's experience. 
Growing up, my sister and I have had some encounters, so to speak, as we have inherited our dad's gift. He often told us about his experiences, so when it came to us experiencing our own paranormal activity goings on, it didn't bother us much. However, around five years ago, my sister, mum and I were sitting in the dining room of our mum's house one evening, chatting and having a good laugh as you do, when my sister and I suddenly noticed a presence had joined us. It was my mum's brother, who had passed many years ago, whom she loved dearly. And it was because of this love that she let her guard down. His visit started off well. He flicked our hair, tapped our shoulders, and was his usual playful self. My mum, who doesn't have any spiritual abilities, so to speak, wanted to feel her brother's presence too, so opened herself up completely and fully let all of her guards down. Bad idea, right? Instantly, our uncle was gone and the mood changed. Something my sister and I felt extremely uncomfortable with. The room felt heavy and somewhat dark. There was a new presence, an unkind feeling filled the room. My sister and I felt queasy and heavy. I jumped out of my seat, threw the sliding doors open and, very sternly, told this entity to leave, that it wasn't welcome. I built up the boundaries and surrounded us with light. Suddenly it rained hard, and I mean hard. Big, fat, hard drops of rain, so fast that it literally couldn't rain any faster. But it lasted all of 20 seconds. And with that, the entity had gone and the room was clear. We're not sure what it was that joined us that night, but whatever it was, was obviously something that preyed on my mum's vulnerability. Thankfully, we stepped in and yes... I've since taught my mum how to set boundaries and to be careful who she lets in. Sometimes spirit visit us because they want to warn us about something. Just like this experience from this family who wishes to remain anonymous. So... My parents' house is an old, late 1800s villa and they brought it in the early 80s in a desolate state with weeds growing in the walls and attic, holes in the floor and walls, leaky and in pretty bad shape. So much so my grandmother cried when she first saw it. Mum and Dad did a lot of the work themselves with the help of friends and salvaged a lot of the original details from an old villa down south that was being demolished. Not long after they started doing it up, my mum tried to light a fire in the living room when the match kept extinguishing itself and a heavy oak dining chair pulled itself out from the table and spun around. A smartly dressed man wearing a top hat appeared and told her, this isn't a threat, it's a warning, do not light that fire. Of course, she rings my dad who is at work in a state and tells him what happened. So he rung his friend who was a chimney sweeper to get him to have a look and see what the problem might be. This guy comes around and he's poking in the fireplace saying, there's not much wrong with it, just some loose bricks and dad goes, no, something is very wrong with it, go up higher. And he does. And a whole heap of loose plaster, newspaper and wood fell down. If mum lit the fire, the whole house would have gone up. 
The man with top hat likes to mess with everyone too. He once told Dad that at this exact time, buy a lotto ticket with these exact numbers. So Dad does. And he's sitting there eagerly watching lotto on TV and wins zero dollars, not even a free ticket. And he hears laughter on the other side of the house. Fast forward to when my brother and I come along, my brother could never sleep in his room without waking up and crying that a man was standing over him. I woke one night and saw a wee boy wearing overalls and a cap standing in my doorway. Thought maybe I was seeing things, but my uncle saw him one night too. I used to see a tall, shadowy figure in our garden and at the end of our hallway. And one night I got up to go to the toilet and when I turned the corner to go back into my room, I walked into a tall black figure. I immediately apologised to him and carried on down the hallway and it wasn't until I was in bed that dawned on me what had happened. Another time I was having a terrible dream where I was fully aware of being on a trolley with a thin sheet over me being wheeled down a corridor and into a morgue where I felt a mighty shove on my chest and woke gasping for air with a man standing over me. When I told mum, she reckoned I'd stop breathing in my sleep and this man woke me up. We also have a woman in a nightdress who likes to sit and stare out mum and dad's bay window. She wanders up and down the hallway every now and then but has been seen by mum, dad and my brother now. Other than that, we mostly have lots of banging and crashing in the kitchen, doors opening, people walking down the hallway. I've heard people talking in our conservatory and smelt my granddad's aftershave in the spot where he used to sit while babysitting my brother and I. I know he hangs around a lot. He's one of my guides. We once had a man turn up to look at the house saying he used to stay with his auntie and uncle who lived there. Turned out his uncle used to wear a top hat which was passed down to this man. Mum and Dad are currently redoing the house, big renos too. They're basically swapping the kitchen and bathroom toilet around so they can have a bit of flow into the living and dining room and the house feels uncomfortably empty. Although every now and then the shadow man will be standing over them in bed or at the end of the hallway, he's definitely more authoritative than the other spirits and at the moment full of disapproval. But we all seem to have a mutual understanding. They were there first and we respect that. But this is now mum and dad's house and sometimes when they act up really bad they get threatened with the cleansing and things seem to settle back down again. And then to end with we have one more scary story for you. This is Karupo's story, Kiora Farnell, just something I remember happening a few years back. A few years ago, after a mate's passing, unfortunately to suicide, which took a huge toll on me and my friends, a lot of them who still suffer to this day. We all lived in one house in Tamatia Napier, which was the same house that our friend who had passed lived at for a long time. Most of us were in and out, but he was usually the main one there. We started noticing strange things happening, things falling over, strange noises, seeing someone walk down the hallway then realising you're the only one there at the time, checking and not finding anyone is just some examples. Well, one day me and a few bros were just chilling, 
There was three mates in the lounge and I was in the kitchen putting the jug on and finishing my lunch and talking to the boys as the kitchen looked into the lounge area. I needed to go to the toilet and to get to the toilet you could either go through the wash house or the bathroom. I went through the wash house, done my thing. As I go to get up and open the door I realised someone was holding it closed and I couldn't open it. I thought, oh, it's the bros playing a prank. So I shouldered the door open, which led me to the wash house, but no one was there. As soon as I noticed it wasn't them, I got a real nerve-wracking chill down my spine. The toilet door slammed behind me. That freaked me out. I tried to run out, but the wash house door had also slammed and felt like it was being held. I started to panic. To my right was a dryer stacked with a washing basket, full, that came flying into me at this point. I thought, if this, yanked the door open and ran into the kitchen. I was shocked, pale as hell, and literally couldn't speak. My friend looked at me and said the famous line, Bro, your goods? You look like you've just seen a ghost. I was still speechless, muttering, Bro, bro, bro nodding my head, pointing towards the wash house. He'd seen the serious pale look in my face and immediately clicked, jumped up and said, Are you okay, brother? Bro, I couldn't get out. I said something locked me in and threw the washing at me. He could see I was dead serious and started to worry. He walked to the wash house to investigate, I supposed, and the exact same thing happened to him. The door slammed behind him. He tried to run out the other door, felt like it was being held closed by someone strong, but nothing fell on him as most of it was already on the ground from happening to me. He came out looking exactly like I did, pale, shocked and scared as hell. He was speechless. We left for the day and came back. But I never stayed in that house alone from that point on. you've enjoyed your journey this episode into the worlds of the Shadowlands please be sure and join us next week for a special whole episode on a haunting in Australia. This is a pretty scary and traumatising experience one woman and her daughter had over a course of years. You might want to keep the lights on for this one and so you don't miss it, be sure and subscribe to the Walk in the Shadowlands podcast on iTunes, Spotify and all podcasting platforms. Also, if you enjoyed our show, then please leave a positive rating and a written review on iTunes. Spread the word around about this podcast and tell your friends, your family, your workmates, encourage them to listen and subscribe also. As always, I would love to hear your experiences or thoughts, you can email me at shadowlands at yahoo.com and if you like this podcast, please consider supporting me on patreon.com. You can check out the link on our website www.walkingtheshadowlands.com Thank you so much for listening. Tonight, 
today, wherever you are in this beautiful world of ours. We'll see you this time next week. Thanks for listening. 